You know what? I, I feel this. Somebody go get delivered today. Pastor Elwin started talking to you about confessions in the beginning, and he said to you that there are some things you don't get until you claim them. Somebody go get delivered today. Now the question is whether it's going to be you. Somebody go step into a new level of freedom today. The question is whether it's going to be you or not. Somebody go step out of fear this morning. The question is just whether it's going to be you or not. See, I've been in church long enough to know that it is possible for somebody to get deliverance right here and the person right here go to sleep. So I'm going to say somebody's going to get blessed. And you should just say, if it's you, it is me. Somebody go get blessed this morning. No, I said somebody go get blessed this morning. Somebody got some stuff that's overdue you. And today. Listen. The dancers go go out so they can dance. We go get into the word. Huh? The kids who aren't dancing can go to with Pastor Edwin this morning. I'm going to. I just want to exhort you this morning, which means we're not going to leave with no steps. I get some water. No steps. In the kingdom, there are things that are taught and there are things that are caught. Healing isn't taught. It's caught. It really ain't no four steps or five steps to healing. We try to break them down in such a way so that people can wrap their minds around it. But really, supernatural healing comes when a man encounters God. We give you steps to try to help you encounter God. But I found out that the people who encounter God the fastest are the people who are hungry. So, I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to talk to you from this subject right here. I got a subject and a sub-subject. The subject is live, go in, multiply, and possess. Live, go in, multiply, and possess. And then if we had to take something underneath it, what I would want you to ask yourself is, are you in position and are you in condition? Live, go in, multiply, and possess. I, I, I submit to you that I'm convinced that a lot of believers do not walk in victory because they do not have an expectation of victory. A lot of believers really are like the people who play sports but don't expect to win. I've never really understood why you play sports and don't expect to win. 
Just like I don't understand why you be a Christian and not expect to win. The whole purpose of Christianity is that first you won over sin and then you win over life. We're supposed to win in life. Tell your neighbor, say, we are supposed to win in life. Say it again. Say, we are supposed to win in life. Like when they can't see nobody else winning, they should see us winning. When they can't find victory anywhere else, they ought to be able to look at a believer and find some victory. Amen? Amen? Shout, I'm a winner. So I'm going to walk you through some scriptures in the Old Testament. going to try to paint a little picture for you. Really just want to exhort you. Really just want to encourage you. Really just want to get you to shift your position, to take a position of being a winner. And, and, and part of being a winner, if you go back, and I hope you really listen to those messages that Jimmy taught the last two weeks. Those teachings were dynamic. They were dynamic. And if you don't know that they were dynamic, you didn't listen to them. But they are dynamic. And one of the things that he said that I'm going to be teaching out of a little bit today is the concept of what happens when you review film. And when we talk about how we, when you review film, then that's going to help you understand whether you're in, in position or condition in order to win. So um, one of the interesting things that Jimmy said last week was he talked about how in film you get the opportunity to self-assess, you get the opportunity to see your weaknesses and your tendencies. And then the, the most profound thing that I took away from what he said last week was this, is that any time um, an opponent is able to run a trick play on you, it is because they know your weaknesses and your tendencies better than you do. He used a very specific example. He says, you're running a route, you're supposed to run 10 yards before you cut, but you run seven. The problem is you think you ran 10. So when the opponent is looking at you, in order to overtake you, he knows that when you should run 10, you're going to run seven. So if he just makes the trick at 10, you're not going to be there your own tendencies, your own weaknesses, right? So I thought that was really good. And so we're going to look at in Scripture because if we look at Deuteronomy 8 and 1, he says, that's pretty big. In Deuteronomy 8 and 1, he says, All these commandments which I command you this day, you shall be watchful to do that you may live multiply, go in, and possess the land. It's a four-part thing that God is looking for in the life of believers. He says, number one, I want you to live. Living starts with salvation. He's not just talking about breathing. He says, I want you to live. I want you to accept me as your personal Savior so you can live. After you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, the goal now is winning. Your, your, your eternity is already set. So now the goal is to win in life. So he says, I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying to you. I want you to keep my commandments because if you keep my commandments, here's what's going to happen. You're going to live. Then I'm going to send you into some places. 
You're going to go in, and when you're in those places, you're going to begin to multiply, and then you're going to possess something. So we're talking about how to live, how to go in, how to multiply, and how to possess. And are you even measuring your life by the fact of whether you're going into the places that God is calling you to go into? Are you measuring your life by multiplication? Are you just glad you're not losing every day? And what are you looking to possess? Well, let's go back to Genesis 1, because if you want to know the intent of something, always start at the beginning. In Genesis 1, verse 26, we've read it many times. He says, God said, let us make man after our image and our likeness. He says, and let them have dominion. Somebody say dominion. Dominion. Do you know what it means to have dominion? It means to be the boss of. He says, my expectation is that if you are in me, you should have dominion. He says, let them have dominion. Oh, I want to touch the world. I want to impact the world. Can you have dominion over yourself first? I want to go all around the world. I want to preach the gospel. I want to save souls. Can you work out your own soul salvation? Not whether you love Jesus. Can you just not curse? Can you just not be mean when people don't do what you want them to do? Can you just not be moody? Can you just get your family to really believe you love Jesus? Because a lot of you saved in the world, but the people you live with don't think you saved. He said, so can you start with some internal dominion? Because whatever gets in you and begins to overflow, it can't help but impact around you. Great example. Why do we listen to Jimmy about fitness? Because he fit. <laughs> that ain't rocket science. We listen to Jimmy about fitness because he's fit. In fact, when someone gives me new information, I check it out with Jimmy. Not that Jimmy know everything, but Jimmy is the fittest person I know. So... If you're going to have dominion and help people with their marriages, how your marriage raggedy? Because knowing what to say and doing it. Ah, yeah. See, we have some good sailor moments. He says, I want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps up on the earth. I like to say it like this, God gave you dominion over all the creeps. Know what that means? That means that if God plants you in a job, nobody should ever move you. Not only should they not move you, they should not make you miserable. One of the most fascinating things to me about people who are supposed to have dominion is how moved they get in adversity. Think about this. Just, just let this soak in. You are engineered to overcome adversity. You are engineered to overcome adversity. You wouldn't know what you were engineered with without adversity. 
So why are you so moved by adversity? I'm engineered to overcome adversity. The only way I would know that I was engineered to overcome adversity is to actually have adversity to overcome. So why is it that every time adversity shows up, you fall apart? You're engineered to overcome adversity. The only way you know what's in you is to have enough pressure to squeeze on you to show you what's on the inside of you. Do you know that it is easy to think you're the best if you ain't play nobody? It is so easy because you was, I mean, you in that yard all by yourself and you like counting down three, two, one. Oh, you hit it. When nobody hand in your face, when nobody crowd you, but you like, man, I'm the, no, no, no. Do you know when you know when you're the best? When you get slapped in the mouth. And some of you need to get your inner man built up so that a slap in the mouth don't knock you out. All right, so he says, I want you to have dominion over all the creeps. Say, I have dominion over all the creeps. Say that again, I have dominion over all the creeps. It really is the reason. If you talk about haters, I know you don't have dominion. No, that's real talk. If you talk about the people who hating on you, you ain't mastered dominion. I'm, I'm, I'm certain there are people who don't like me. I just don't care. I don't think about them. I don't lose no sleep over them. I don't care what they say about me, as long as they don't say it to me. Because if you got time to talk about haters, you don't know who you are. You ain't never see Jesus walk around talking about everywhere I go, the devil all up on me. Like every time I show up, like he always up in my space. I mean, he always sweating me. Like everywhere I go. I mean, I can't never do nothing without the devil pushing up on me. What? I'm just trying to help us today, all right? So then he says, so he created him, man, in his image. In his image, he created them both male and female. We've talked about this before. He thought it was important to say male and female because he knew that the patriarchal system would try to attempt to make women be inferior to men. That is not true. We are different. We are not inferior. In fact, the only way that I can submit to you is to be equal to you to begin with. The whole concept of submission is that I would have to place myself up under you. In order to place myself up under you, I had to be equal to you to begin with. That's why you ought to be real careful, ladies, of submitting to someone who... (laughs) Well, she said submitting to somebody who is dumb, which was better than what I was going to say, so you can have that. All right, don't submit to somebody who's dumb. Amen. Praise him. Yeah. That, that, that's true, though. You shouldn't submit to somebody who's dumb. I mean, if you date and having to dummy down your words, what you want to marry him for? You date and trying to pretend like you ain't that smart. You listen to dumb music to be dumber so you can talk on his level. 
But men, you also shouldn't want a woman to submit to you that can't make you better. Because submission is not about being less than. It's about how I position myself so that we can do more together than we could do apart. One, I spend a thousand, but two. All right, let's keep going, let's keep going, because I really got a lot of stuff I want to say today. It says, so he created them in his image, male and female. Verse 28, he says, and then God blessed them. What does the word bless mean? We have talked about it a million times. What does it mean? Turn around and tell the people in your section, some, everybody, because everybody didn't have somebody in their section to say it. What does it mean to be blessed? It means empowered to prosper. Parenthetically, I want to say to you that the truth of you is that many of you do not understand that every Sunday morning you are getting a test to determine whether you are going to be successful in your life. Here is the test. If you cannot be obedient to God in a safe place, you will never obey him in a tough place. If you cannot obey in here, what do you mean? You know, the Lord says, here's how we praise. The Lord is real clear about the stuff he wants. He'd be like, here's how you praise. You clap your hands. You stump your feet. You lift your hands. You bow down. You open your mouth. But week after week, you don't open your mouth. You don't realize that that disobedience in here translates to your failure out there. Because here is just practice. This ain't the game. This ain't lie. This, this isn't even a good scrimmage. This is just practice. But some of y'all got that Allen Iverson spirit on your life. You don't think you need practice. And that is why. Oh, but because I, I, I want to be fair and balanced. But some of you think you can shout in here and not obey out there. Right. He says. Basically, you show out in practice and then don't show up for the game. Yes, yes, yes. So then he says, so he gave them dominion. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful. Contrary to popular belief, that is not about how many babies you can have. That is not about how many babies you can have. He says, be fruitful. I know I got a lot of babies, but the measure of fruitfulness is not how many babies you have. He says, be fruitful and then multiply. He says, so get some fruit and then make the fruit more. Don't just get some fruit. Man, they're all preaching today. Don't just get the fruit. Oh, let me give you an example of getting the fruit. Oh, I got a prophetic word from the Lord. Here's the fruit. The Lord said, this is going to be my season. Yes, hallelujah. It's my season. I ain't going to never be this broke no more. You still at the mall. You work at a job. It don't pay you enough. No matter how many times we say apply, you won't apply. Yeah, fruit rots. That's good. Fruit rots. So you got a prophetic word that you didn't do anything with, and now you mad at God because you didn't do nothing with it. The Lord said this was the year that I was going to get a husband. You ain't go nowhere. 
you didn't go anywhere. Listen, and I'm because really, because I like to insert real stuff, right? So, because all the time, this church women, listen, I say this all the time. I post on my Facebook page. Religious people mess you up. They have you all jacked up. Every man who found a woman had to see her. I mean, that, that may seem that may seem profound, but it's really simple. For this man right here to find this woman, he had to see her. Even if he saw her first in his dreams, he couldn't marry her from a dream. He had to actually see her somewhere. Now, here's the thing that's so interesting to me about church women. You want a husband, but you got all these rules. You're not going to date nobody who you go to church with. You're not going to date nobody who you go to work with. You think he going to come find you, but you too good for the pizza man. Exactly. Tell me exactly where. If a man at the gas station say something to you, I see you post up, he are trying to talk to me. That's how men find women, they talk to you. You don't want nobody at your job to talk to you. You don't want nobody at the church to talk to you. You don't want no, you know, the only people you see is people in restaurants. You don't want a waiter to talk to you. And then you don't want the people at the gas station to talk to you. And then you cry talking about I'm by myself. What, uh, uh, duh. And then when you do go out, you got your face balled up. Look at me and over here talking about you got your face all frowned up. First of all, everybody who see you don't want you. But you don't know. Everybody who see you do not want you. But if I remember the story correctly, Kenosha was friends with a guy who was friends with Rick. Because Kenosha knew how to be friendly and social, the guy then came around with Rick. Rick found her. Look at that. But she was to be found. That's why I said that the second part of that is are you in condition and are you in position? And then people try to judge you, but I'm just going to tell you this for free. I called Strick first. We together. I called him first. I met him. I called him. You know what? Hell did not bring the fire down brimstone on me. All right, but y'all keep that and keep being sad. All right, so keep being sad. So then he says, you should have be fruitful, you should multiply, you should replenish, and you should subdue. So those are the things that believers should be doing in their life, right? So now we're talking about marriage. So now I'm dating somebody. Now I want to make sure that this is the kind of person I want to spend my life with. Is this a person that I'm compatible with? I'm looking at them and I'm thinking like, I'm looking at a lot of things about them life. And when we get to Genesis 26, this is going to make sense to you. So I'm looking at things about his life and I really want to know about your people. And the reason I really want to know about your people, because your people go tell me a lot about who you are. See, you got curly hair now, but your daddy and your grandfather bald. You're going to be bald. Somebody in your family bald, it's a good chance you're going to be bald. So you know what you shouldn't pick me in for? Oh, he got good hair. Oh, we can have some cute kids because he got good hair. You know, you look at somebody, you look at, you, you look at her now, she a size four. 
Her mama's 16. Her grandmama's 16. She got 16 potential. No, for real. To this day, Edwin teased me. He'd be like, girl, you built just like your grandma. You, get, you, got, you got potential. Potential. That don't mean you have to reach it. But you can't marry somebody who a foe, and then when they're 12, you like, I didn't know you had that. Did you look at their mama, their grandmama, their aunties, their sister? I mean, did you think that they got different DNA than those people? I, I'm preaching way better than y'all saying amen. But okay, so let's keep going. He says, and then in verse 29, he says, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all of the earth, and every tree, which is of the fruit of the tree yielding seed, to you it shall be meat. Now over in, in Genesis 8, it says, As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Winter cold, we know that. But I want to talk about seed, time, harvest harvest, right? So everything that you get in your life today is a result of the seed that you sowed yesterday. So that's why you have to ask yourself, are you really in position for what you prophesying? Are you really in position for what you, are you really conditioned for what you say you want? It's like saying you want to run a marathon, but you don't ever start practicing. So you go get your cute marathon outfit, you got you a marathon tutu. You registered, but you didn't practice. And then you go out there and you cramp up at mile three. And then you say, the devil is against me. No? No, that's not what happened. The devil is not against you. Your body is against you. Because you did not train your body to run a marathon. How trained are you for, to overcome adversity? How trained are you to overcome adversity? If you only stay in comfortable situations, you can never be trained to overcome adversity. Amen. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So now let's go to Deuteronomy 8 because Deuteronomy 8 is kind of where we're going to hang our hat um, a little bit for a little while. Because he says here, he says, all these commandments, which I command you this day that you will be watchful to do, that you may live, multiply, Go in and possess the land which your father swore to you. Now, when he's talking to them, he's talking to them about a specific plot of land. He's talking to them about Canaan. But one of the things that we know is that we are the children of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham. So there is some land that we should possess. Say, there is land with my name on it. There is land with my name on it. There is land with my name on it. That's why we say deep things like, you know what God has for me is for me. Well, I would like to parenthetically insert that it is possible for you to lose something that has your name on it. As evidenced by the people who were given talents, did not manage their talents, so the people who managed their talents well, the Lord took the talent of that man and gave it to another man. So if you sit on your stuff long enough, it is possible that somebody else could live in your job, live in your house and work at your job. And have your man. It is possible. It's, it's possible that if you don't move, because there are some things that have expiration dates on. Like, for example, you can't date me to death. So it's an expiration on our date. You understand? You can't date me to death. You're not going to die and on the funeral program and be his special friend. And be nobody's special friend. 
You don't get no social security and inheritance from being no special friend. So you're not gonna date me to death. There's an expiration on courting me. At some point you wanna do something or you gonna move on. I, I, and I'm not gonna keep talking to you about where we going. If you ain't going somewhere, then you go look up, I'm gonna be somewhere else. I'm just trying to be patient. You go pace your whole life away. All right. He says, you shall earnestly remember all of the way. This is good because it's about adversity. That the Lord led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you to know what was in your heart and mind, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I'd like to really break this down for you. I would like to let, let some things we need to talk about. Number one. How long were they in the wilderness? The journey was 13 days. 40 years. It took them 40 years to make a 13-day journey. God didn't get lost. There are some things in your life that you saying that God is delaying. God is not delaying. It is your lack of participation in the process. It is your refusal to be conditioned. The problem with them is that they were in position for the promised land, but they were not conditioned for the promised land because they still had a slave mentality. The truth of it is, is that just because you accept Jesus don't mean you got a free mind. It is possible to love Jesus and still be bound in your mind. It is possible to make confessions about prosperity and still think about poverty all the time. It is possible to desire love but still live unlovable. So it takes them 40 years. And literally, this is what really ends up happening. It would have been longer. Finally, the people who was holding back died. That, that's just the truth. That's really what happened. They died. I'm, I've asked this question before. I want to ask again. Are you going to have to die for your family to get what God said? Do, are you the one that's holding up the progress? Are you the one who need to go ahead and go to glory? Or do you want to die to yourself so you can possess the land? So he says, look at this. He says, I want you, he says, humble you. I want to talk about what this word humble means. The word humble does not mean to, a, to be less than you are. That is not what humble means. To be humble means to acknowledge your dependence on God to be as great as you are. To be humble is not to be less than you are. Like we got false humility just infused in the church. Santresa sings good. Santresa, you really sang good today. Oh, bless the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, works. Thank you, works. We don't want to steal God's glory. Listen, God is not an egomaniac, okay? And if you read scripture, he says, if you obey me, I'll share my glory with you. That's why you should read your Bible and not just sing songs that they say. God is not some egomaniac who is freaked out. And every time somebody give you a compliment and you don't say it's the Lord's doing now, he like, I'm going to smite you and give you leprosy on your left hand because you didn't give me enough credit. That is not who God is. In fact, because God is a father, God loves it when someone sees him in you, even if they don't know it's him. 
And every time you excellent, God shows up and people can see God in you even if they don't know it's God. Every time the girl take a picture, you can see God even if the people don't know it's God. So God like, that's my kid. How do I know? Because when your kids excel at something, you like, Listen, I'll never forget this. Caleb was a quiz bowl. He got the last question that won the thing, the tiebreaker for them. I jumped up like he dunked. I was like, yeah, baby, that's what we do. Because <laughs> that's my kid. How could you be proud of your kid for being excellent, but think God wants you to turn down your shine? You, you proud, Yo, when your kid is little, they bring you that picture, it's ugly. It's ugly. But you know what? They finally know what a triangle is. And you so proud, you put that on the refrigerator. Put it on Facebook, make us look at that. Make us have to lie to say, ooh, little John, look at that, look at that triangle, yes. Because you're proud of your kids when they're their best. How could God not be proud of you when you being your best? So he says he led them through the wilderness so they would finally understand that their ability to be great was dependent on trusting him. You may be to be good by yourself. You'll never be great without him. Even if you're the best in the world, there is a level of greatness that you cannot tap into until you're dependent on him. You may be better than us, but you can never reach your full potential until you are dependent on him. So he says he led them through the wilderness so they would acknowledge their dependence on them. Sometimes you are in trouble because you don't know how much you need God. Sometimes you thought that playing by all the rules was enough. Could you look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. playing by all the rules isn't enough. A lot of people who play, if you watch sports against two good teams, they both play by the rules. But somebody lost. Everybody don't lose because they slow. Sometimes they lose because somebody is better. He says, so he says, and then he says he wanted to prove. That word prove means for you to see what's in your heart. Like God already knows what's in your heart. You're the one who don't know what's in your heart. And I submit to you that as self-reflective as you may be today, there's still some stuff in your heart that you don't know. Yes, you've come a mighty long way. Yes, you're not as crazy as you were last year. But please know it's some stuff in your heart that you don't know about yourself yet. So he puts you in adversity so you will be dependent on him and so that you can see what's in you. Why is it important to see what's in you? 
I cannot stop an opponent from overtaking me if I do not know how he will attack me. I cannot stop an opponent from overtaking me if I do not know how he will attack me. So the best way, the best offense is defense. Defense always is good. Good defense always is going to make offense, right? So what's the best defense? Not to be trying to figure out what you're doing to manage myself, to know myself. You know, the best place that God tries to work that out in marriage. He uses marriage and family to let you see yourself. Marriage and family is all about you seeing yourself. Except the truth of it is, is that you like to look at them because it's easier to look at them than to look at yourself. You want to know why they do what they do. When you should know why you do what you do. And you should work on fixing why you do what you do. Well, they don't talk to me, so I curse. So wait, 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 wait. So automatically when people don't talk to you, you curse. So like if you walk in at Walmart and somebody don't talk to you, you just start cursing. Why is it necessary for you to curse when they don't talk? What do you get out of that? No, you get something out of it because people don't continue bad behavior unless they get something out of it. Nobody ever continues bad behavior unless they get something out of it. Right. Now, you may not get your desired result, but for some of it is in marriage. Well, if you talk to me and I start crying, you stop talking to me. And all I really wanted was for you to stop talking to me anyway. So when you start talking to me and it gets to be too uncomfortable, I just start crying. Because that's how I get you to stop. Or if you start talking to me and I don't want to hear what you say, I start getting loud because I know you don't like it when I get loud. If I get loud, you'll back down. But why do I need to get loud? Why do I need to cry? What do I get out of that? Oh, if you make me mad, I just don't talk to you. Oh, it's just a way to control people. So marriage and family lets you see what's in you. How many of you who are married or have children have learned some stuff about yourself that you did not know until you had them in your life? How many of you have had some stuff come out of you that you didn't know was in there? How many of you have been shocked by some things that you could say and ration and think and you didn't even know? Like, you see, you thought you weren't mean because people weren't in your space. But now they're in your space and guess what we found out? You mean too. You didn't know you was moody until folks didn't go home. All right, let's keep going. He says he humbled them and allowed you. He says, and then he fed you with manna. So here's what we can see from this. Anytime God puts you in a situation to see your dependence on him, he's always going to provide for you. So he put them in a position to be dependent on him, and then he provided for them. The problem is is that because God provides for you, you don't always appreciate how God provides for you because later on what you'll find out is that at first they was excited about manna and then they was tired of manna. And the truth of it is a lot of times people ask for something. Like I keep going back to a spouse. You ask for a spouse and then you're tired of a spouse. 
Lord, I, I, I just, I need somebody to share my life with. I just, I want somebody to share my life with. Lord, could you just get them to go away? Can you just let them have a business trip where they just be gone for three days? Just, I just want them to be gone away from me. But you ask for somebody to share your space, and then when they share your space, you want them not to be in your space. You wanted kids, but now they get on your nerves all the time. Had you not ever looked at a little kid before? Do you not know what little people do? I mean, had you never? Or, oh, oh, I know. You thought your kid was going to be different from the rest of the kid. Oh, okay. That's the Romans 12 and 3. You thought more highly of yourself than you ought to. All right. Let's go. So let's keep going. He says, so Isaiah 1 and 19, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Jimmy used an illustration where he said it is possible to be, you know, we, we one person, but we really many people. We're one person, but we're really many people. The goal of transformation is to make us one person. So that we're one person all the time. Right? You know, you're one person at home. You're one person at work. You're one person when you're with your ratchet friends. You know, you're different people. Right? So he says, so it is possible to be successful in this land and be totally failing in this land. So it is possible to be really, really good at your job and really, really bad at your marriage, so then you want to spend more time at your job so you don't have to deal with how bad you are at your marriage. It is possible to be really, really good at being a parent and be a really bad spouse. It is possible to be really good at prayer and really bad at discipline what goes in your mouth. It is possible to be really good at serving and really bad at giving. It's possible. So he says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. One, you'd have to know what land you want to eat from and what the willing and obedience looks like there. So I got to know what the land is. Okay, if the land is marriage, what does it take to eat good in the land of marriage? What does it take to look to eat good in the land of health? What does it take to eat good in the land of parenting? What does it take? So, he says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And then, but let's look at this. So, how do people, how do you get victory? Really, you get victory one way. Faith expressed through obedience. That's the simplest way to put it. We could give you 27 steps, but really, that's it. How do you get victory in your life? You do what God said till he tell you to do something else. That's how you get obedient. That's how you get victory. You do what, so I've been going to physical therapy, and one of the things I notice when I go to physical therapy is how people cheat on the exercises, which is fascinating to me because I'm like, you came to physical therapy because you are in pain, right? But when they turn their back, you don't do the exercises, How many times are you cheating the process? Because when they aren't looking, you aren't doing. You know the people who get their spouse to help hold them accountable about their eating. And then when they're not with their spouse, they eat stuff they're not supposed to. You know who you are. I'm going to eat this candy bar when I'm walking out the store because they won't know. I ain't going to put it on this receipt. I'm going to use change and pay for it separately so they don't know. <laughs> Pastor Ellen says this all the time. Let's say you got a lust problem. 
Do you know one of the best ways to get rid of a lust problem? Tell your spouse you got a lust problem. No, the best way to get rid, that's how you know when you really, really want help. You got a porn problem, you want to get rid of porn, tell your spouse. Tell your spouse, whenever you go away, I get on my computer and watch stuff I shouldn't watch. I bet you'll stop. And not even because they're being mean to you, it's a different type of accountability. I spend too much, you tell your spouse, I spend too much money. I be sneaking and buying stuff and then I be lying to you and I be saying that I really had it a long time ago, but I really just got it and stuff. To start telling the truth. You can always tell when somebody really want to be free. When people really want to be free, they tell the truth. When people really want to be free, they don't wait to be exposed. They just expose themselves. They just come in and they be like, look, here's the deal. This is what I do and I want to be better. Can you tell your truth? Are you in position? Do you even know your truth to tell it? Because if you spend a lot of time blaming other people and blaming the devil for where you are, then you probably don't know your own truth. I don't understand why I love a relationship because this time of year, people getting sad because they're not in a relationship because a lot of people get married. So you want to know if you're in a relationship. Like, have you ever thought about calling the people you were in a relationship with before to find out why it didn't work? I mean, they would know. I mean, have you ever thought about picking up the phone and saying, listen, John, I just want to talk to you for a second, and we didn't work out, and I just wanted to get your feedback on why we didn't work out. Because you're crazy and you're clingy, and every time I went somewhere, you was walking behind me. Oh, I didn't know that. I just was trying to spend time with you, see? Every, every time we was happy, you wanted to start a fight. Why do I need to start a fight? Oh, well, I don't, I'm not going to believe John, so I'm going to call Tim. Tim, every time we was happy, you had to start a fight. Oh, what is it about me that needs to start a fight when we happy? All right, go home. Stay the same. All right. It says, First James 1, 14. <laughs> I'm just trying to help us because that's the real stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's the real stuff. Why isn't my marriage getting better? Here's what I know for a fact. It is impossible for you to get better and your marriage not get better. Because if you get better and your marriage doesn't get better, then your marriage go end. I mean, it's no way that you become a better, different person and everything stay the same. It's just impossible. I know it's easy to say we would be better if he would do we would be better if you would do. Amen. Things on my, oh, you know what, the people on my job, they're so this, they're so that. Listen, have you ever, how much time have you taken to be a better communicator? I communicate great. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with the way I communicate. It's wrong with the way they hear. Oh, okay, all right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> James 1.14, New Living Translation. Because this is important because what's going to keep you from obeying? You got to know what's going to keep you from obeying. This is so beautiful. I love this. What did it say? I love this illustration. It says, whenever you end up in bondage, it was your own desires that enticed you and then they drug you away. So if you don't know your own desires, then you don't know what keep getting you drug away. That's right. It says temptation comes 
from our own desires. So if you're prideful, pride will drag you somewhere. If you desperate for love, desperate for love will drag you somewhere. If you selfish, selfish will drag you somewhere. If you think you know everything, arrogance will drag you somewhere. It says whenever you get caught up, you got caught up because you didn't know you. Here's a perfect example. One of the reasons that I always use the illustration about fighting is because I remind myself that I'm only delivered from being aggressive because the Lord helps me. I keep the story in front of me so I never think it's because I walked with the Lord so long and I'm so disciplined now that if you mess up and say the wrong thing, I can't get real, real, real ratchet real quick. I remind myself it is not me. It is God. Because the devil has studied Sean Strickland long enough to know that if you want to get me to show out, just mess with somebody I love the wrong way. So I had to say to myself, if someone does something to my kids, you notice if you ever have a conversation with me and people talk about what they would do if somebody does something to their kids, I always start by saying, I'm not going to jail. I'm setting the premise of the things I'm not going to do because the first 15 things I thought of was going to send me to jail. So what should I do if someone does something to my kids? Was I, I should I should warn I, sh I should stop I should pray I should then call my least violent friend my least violent friend no I'm gonna call my, I'm gonna call if 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 something jump off crazy and I want to live right I'm gonna call Pastor Sharetta. Because Pastor Sharetta go say, I know you're upset, but let's pray. Let's pray. Let us pray. And she go pray, and I'm not going to be praying, but she go pray. <laughs> and she is going to pray, and she is going to pray, and she is going to pray until my heart goes, okay, 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 okay. But if I want to be aggressive... I am going to call Kenosha because she will go. She will go. She don't even have to know why we going. She don't have to know. All I got to do is say Kenosha. We going to jump somebody. She like, where? What time? What? You got to know. You got to know who on your team. You also got to know who... Uh, it, if you think about cheating on your spouse, you know which friend to call. You know who gonna co-sign that. You already know. That's why you send your other friend to ignore. You're like, girl, I don't want to talk to you right now. You know, if you want to live in victory, you got to tell yourself the truth. Start by telling yourself the truth. All right, we almost done. I want to... I want to just show you these scriptures. He says, so temptation comes because we, our own desires drag us away. 
Then let's look at 1 John 2 and 16 because it breaks down those desires anymore. Like, do you know what the desires are to drag you away? But if you know the big ones, you'll be, you, you can stay pretty safe once you know the big ones. You got to know the big ones. You got to know, like, like, like for real. If you need attention and you desire attention, a man can get you in bed through attention. Which means you got to know how important attention is to you. So you're not like, I don't understand how I got here. Yes, you do. Every morning for seven days, he said, good morning, boo, first, when you woke up. You woke up, and when you picked that phone up, he had already said, good morning, boo. Now, you don't know if he said it like that, but that's how you heard it. Good morning, boo. Hope you have a good day. Who could really get caught up like that? Lots of folks. How do most men get caught up? Somebody stroke your ego? I mean, lit- I mean, men think women are easy. Men are really easy, too. I mean, literally, it, with, with, a, with enough ego stroking, you probably get most of these men try to jump off this building up here. Create enough competition. Create enough competition, create enough validation, get in the right scenario at the right time, and you like, you like, I wouldn't jump off this building, but what would you do and what have you done? You 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 stroke a man ego. Parenthetically, let me assert this wives. That's why you ought to be proficient in stroking the ego. No, that's real. Listen, this ain't even all stuff I want to teach about that. I'm trying to help you affair-proof your own marriage. I am not saying that the stroking of the ego alone can cut out adultery. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that people who are satisfied at home aren't always looking for food somewhere else. People who are satisfied at home are not always looking for food everywhere else. And so if you a wife and you always got a complaint, you always got something to say. He didn't do this right. He didn't do that right. He didn't do this right. Understand this. Some woman is sitting back and he go to work and she like, you look. No, no, no. This is how it happened in the morning. In the morning, he got dressed and you said, why you wear that? He wore it to work, and she said, ooh, you look, you, I like that. I like that. I like that. You, you, you look nice today. Now what's happening? Now, in, in somebody's mind, it's like, so ain't nothing I do good enough for you. And everything I do. Because people are drawn. Wait, listen. Because people, the word, but he said people are drawn away by your own flesh. What what do people crave for? Physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. So if you happen to be married to someone who takes pride in their achievements, but you don't ever notice their achievements, 
you have put yourself at great risk. No, that's real practical. Because the more comfortable you get with somebody, the less you need to celebrate them. No, really, because it happened like this. So when I, when I used to get, when I had hair and I used to get my hair, like Chase notices women. He just does. He just noticed women. Always have. Listen, Chase would be three years old and he would be like, oh, you look pretty today. Like he just, he always been that way. <laughs> he always been that way. He noticed women. He'll be like, so so-and-so look nice at church today. So-and-so changed her hair. He just noticed women. His dad doesn't necessarily do that. And then as Chase got older, I would come home from the beauty shop, and Chase would go, ooh, mom, I like your hair. He, and, I, and then I walk past his dad, he ain't look up. He'd be like, where you been? You get your hair done? And one day, Chase said to Strick, he said, you should step your game up. He said, he say, you, you, you should, look, I'm not trying to be funny, but if you pick somebody, how can somebody else compliment them more than you? You picked them. I mean, you picked them. You picked them, but you can't, look, I'm, the Lord must be trying to help somebody. This ain't on my notes. This is, this, this go help some of you. So you picked them, but all you can ever talk about is what's wrong with them. You picked them because they tender. Now you mad because they tender. So it says, what do get people get drawn away by? What do you get drawn away by? Physical pleasure. What gets you caught up? The need for physical pleasure. A craving for everything you see. You really want to see this in effect? Go to a buffet. No, that's real talk. You want to see the craving for everything. People got four plates. They got four plates. They tried everything. They gonna. You ever notice that you can go to a buffet with people? They don't even eat the food all that they got. They just saw it and they wanted it in their possession. And they're just like, they. It's twenty-seven cakes. I'm gonna take a little piece of every one of them. It's thirty-seven ice creams. I'm gonna mix them all together. Put some jelly beans on them. Why? Because people have a tendency to crave what they see. It is one of the reasons that Jimmy told you if you want to fix your diet, take away variety. He says, because if you get boring, you can get faithful. All right. And then the last thing, pride in our achievements and our possessions. It is the reason that people will keep shopping even when they can't afford to. Because their identity is in how dope they dress because that's what people compliment them on. So because if you don't care about that, you don't understand why somebody would keep doing that. But if that's been your identity, if that's what somebody has said about you, if that's how somebody validates you. What's another example? Smart people won't always ask for help because you've gotten a lot of validation from being smart and people thinking that you can figure it out. And so what you do is sit over there and struggle because you don't want people to think that you're not as smart as they've complimented you for being. We get drawn away by what's in us. We're going to stop here, but I want to go to Genesis 26. I mean, yeah, Genesis 26, I'm going to tell you this. Because I said to you earlier, it's important to know what's in you. I'm going to come back next week, I guess. I'm going to talk about this right here. In the examples, the scripture we used was about living, multiplying, going in, and possessing something, right? 
Well, if you read in Genesis 26, Genesis 26, there was a famine. Pull that up. Genesis 26, there was a famine. And I love this. It says, and there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Amalek, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Can you change that to the New Living Translation for me? So first of all, here's what it says. It says, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine. Famine means shortage. So here's what you need to understand. Whenever you face shortage, it wasn't God's first shortage. Whenever you face shortage, it may be your first shortage. It ain't God's first shortage. God is proficient at bringing abundance out of shortage. So then it says, so Isaac moved to Gerar. If you go back and you study this, you will find that Gerar is the place that Abraham's father settled when he should have been going to Canaan. So what we learn here is that when people are in famine, shortage, they are most likely to go back to comfort. When people are in a shortage state, they are most likely to go back to comfort. I don't feel like I'm getting what I need from my spouse, so I start talking to somebody I used to date. I don't really have any intentions of doing anything with them, but I'm in a shortage, so I need some comfort. I'm in a shortage. I need some comfort, so I'm going to stop giving as much so that I can go out and eat dinner more. Because if I got to be in shortage, I got to make sure I have comfort. See yourself. When you're facing shortage in your life, where do you draw your comfort? Next verse. So it says, he went there, and then the Lord appeared to Isaac, and he said unto Isaac, do not go to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Why did he have to tell Isaac not to go to Egypt? Because Isaac was headed to Egypt. Egypt represents bondage. He said, if you're not careful... The thing you sought for comfort will become your bondage. The sugar you ate, the ice cream you ate for a stressful day, it will become your bondage. Because now it dictates you. You ain't dictating it. That caffeine that you drank in the morning because you didn't get enough sleep was started as comfort. It will become your bondage. Sex can become your bondage. You can always tell when sex has become somebody's bondage because they say they don't want to do it, but they end up doing it. Lord, I'm really going to live for you. Lord, I'm really going to do the right thing. The problem is, is that the sex has now become your bondage. So then he says, go to verse 3. So he says, um, he says, live there as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. What does the word bless mean? We almost done. He said, I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. You and I have some prior knowledge because we've read the Bible. We already know that when Abraham was in a famine and he went to Egypt, we know that Abraham used Sarah as a bargaining chip. We know that. Right? When you read this, you don't know whether Isaac knows that or not. Because Isaac hadn't been born. 
Go to the next verse. I will cause all your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give them all of these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, look here. So here this dude, he got a promise, right? So God has said to him, I'm going to do the same thing that I said I'd do for your daddy. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to cause you to increase. I am going to set you up. I'm going to cause you to win. There is going to be nothing that's going to be able to withstand you. Keep going. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. Next verse. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So he stays in the place, right? He stays in the place because he got a promise. Go to the next verse. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister because she was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get to her because she is so beautiful. Go back up. I think it's two verses. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements and commandments and decrees and instructions. You have to understand that how God writes your story is not always how your story went. So if you read this, it looks like Abraham never made a mistake. But if you go to Romans 4, it says that Abraham's faith was accounted as righteousness, which means, and then if you go over there in, um, in Isaiah, it says he blots out your transgressions. So because God is who he is, he had to blot out the stuff that Abraham had done that would have disqualified him. But it don't mean Sarah didn't live with the residue of it. And because Abraham didn't deal with it, he passed it on to his son. So then his son has the same anointing as his father, the ability to make money while uncovering his wife. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are the picture of both generational blessing and cursing at the same time. So what am I saying to you? Just because you got some blessings flowing don't mean you ain't got some curses you need to deal with. Just because you got some blessings flowing doesn't mean that you don't have some curses that you don't need to say to the Lord. Is there anything in me that if I don't deal with my kids, go repeat it? Because all the devil did was study Abraham, find his place of fear, get him to respond. And then he looked at Isaac and saw the same fear. You know what's so interesting about this to me? God had already told Isaac, they can't stop you. But somehow Isaac believes that because his wife is beautiful, they can kill him. People read stories in the Bible and they go, oh my goodness, if that had been me, I'd have done so different. No, it won't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. God says to you, this is your year to get out of financial bondage. And your car breaks down. And you believe your car breaking down is bigger than what God said. 
This is the year I want to free you from depression. But because it's uncomfortable to go to the counseling sessions and pay the money because it's too discomfort, you got to pay for it and you got to do the work. You say, well, why am I here again? I'm here again because I don't believe God enough to obey even when it's tough. Anybody can obey God when it's easy. You don't even know what you made of until you obey God when it's tough. Anybody can tithe when they got extra money. Anybody can tithe. People who don't even believe in God tithe. They say most millionaires tithe 10%. They don't even go to church. They believe in the fundamental principle. But the real measure of what you faithful is when you ain't got but $10 can God get one. Anybody can be celibate when nobody trying to date you. One of the best ways to live in victory is to decide who you're going to be before you start. That's the best way to live in victory. You decide, I'm going to be a good husband no matter what she do. No matter what she do, I'm going to be a good husband. And my love will either change her or she going to leave. But I am going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good wife. No matter what he does, it'll either change him or he'll leave. But I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to eat right. care what y'all eat. Because you got to decide before you start. I'm going to be a giver no matter what. I'm going to help people even if they're crazy. That's why people quit helping people. Because you didn't decide on the front end that people could be crazy and you was going to help them anyway. Note to self, you think you call to help people, people crazy. No, they crazy. People are crazy. You crazy too. But people are crazy. So if you call to help people, you just got to decide up front, I'm going to help people even though they crazy. I'm going to help people even though I know sometimes they're not going to take my advice. I'm going to help people even though sometimes they're going to take my advice and then get mad at me. I'm going to help people for the small group of people who go actually do it and get their life changed. That's why I'm going to do it. But more importantly, I'm going to do it because God didn't tell me to do something else. Some of you, your life, your sum zero isn't rooted in what God told you to do. For some of you, your sum, your zero is rooted in what you think is right based on the circumstances. How do I know? People say they call to a church till they get frustrated, then they don't come. People say they call to a marriage till they get frustrated, then they don't want to be there no more. People say they want to be good parents until they figure out the work it takes to actually be good parents. You know how much work it actually takes to be a good parent? Not just feed and clothe the kids. Do you know how much work it takes to be a good parent? Do you know what, how frustrating it is to watch your kid do something that you told them not to do and have to trust that the word is going to work because you believe the word is bigger than what you see? 
Some of you don't even have enough discipline not to curse your own seed when you get frustrated. Obedience is the key to victory. We're going to come back next week. I'm going to talk about Isaac some more. I'm going to talk about how Isaac got a hundredfold blessing in that same year. But he wouldn't have got it if he hadn't obeyed God. So at the end of the day, like we can teach about good marriages. We can teach about how important it is to give. We can teach about how these are the strategies for being a good parent. We can teach you these are the strategies for being a good church member. But at some point, you got to decide who you're going to be. So who are you going to be?